the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Hi, everybody. It's Ron Geyer back with End Time Insights. And we've been talking about repentance, probably the number one need in our nation. I know many are trying to fix our nation, and that's not going to happen. And the Bible talks about, matter of fact, I think it's my closing scripture today, that evil men will wax worse and worse. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. I don't think I've ever done that before. I went to the very last scripture in my notes and I started off with it, but (laughs) I I wanted to get that out there that we're in a place right now where Jesus is coming back very, very soon. You know, lawlessness, we've had lawlessness throughout the 2000 years of the church age, but never before, you know, America's only 250 years old and we had 220 years of law and order in our land, but now we are a land of lawlessness also. And lawlessness isn't just disobeying the law, and it's not even uh, writing laws that violate God's commands, but it's a total disregard for the person of God. And that's America today, and that's why we're going further and further behind, which is why the message today has got to be repent. You go to church yesterday, it's got to be repent. You go to church Wednesday, it's got to be repent. It must include a message about repentance, and I'm going to show you why. It's called the Gospel of Repentance, and let's start in Matthew 4:17. From that time, Jesus began to preach, to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So we know John the Baptist came preaching the baptism of repentance, And now Jesus here is preaching and he's telling people, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So basically, uh, if Jesus is announcing that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he's telling you how to get in. And the way you get in is through repenting. Matthew records the message that Jesus preached. He preached, and this is literal, it's word for word, he preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. One would think that Jesus knew what he was talking about, right? He was announcing the coming of his kingdom, and he was declaring that the way in was and still is the only way. It's through repentance. You cannot get saved without repenting. Christ began his ministry with the ministry of repentance, and he ends his ministry right before he leaves, and it's recorded in Luke where it's the same message. Uh, Luke twenty four forty seven. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name, the name of Jesus, among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And so what should be preached? Repentance and remission of their sins in that repentance. They should be preached in his name above all nations. The kingdom of heaven 
it's still open for business. He's still taking people, right? And it was Christ's kingdom. He preached it. And then before he left, he gave that charge. You know, actually, Luke, this is the Great Commission. It's recorded by Luke. I know there's one over in uh, Mark. But in here, the Great Commission is repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations. So if the kingdom of heaven is still open for business, if Christ's kingdom is still accepting new converts, wouldn't it make sense to continue the command of Jesus regarding the entry rules into that kingdom? Did Jesus change how we get into the kingdom? Did he change the requirement? Is there a scripture somewhere that says there's a new way to get into the kingdom? You don't need to repent? You know, you would think so, listening to some of these preachers, right? One guy says you only need to repent once at the new birth. That's it. After that, everything is good. That's nonsense. Another guy says, we're not even going to talk about sin. There's no need to talk about sin. The world beats you up. The world reminds you that you're a sinner. You know you're a sinner. Well, we may know we're a sinner according to the standard of the world, but we have no idea about the standard of God concerning judgment and our sin. We have no idea what Jesus Christ has done regarding that sin. Did something happen that created other opportunities for people to get into this kingdom? Is there another way? John fourteen six. Jesus said unto him, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes unto Father but by me. I like that. You know, today in the world where we have counterfeited the love of God, notice that's not there. Jesus told us, Jesus revealed himself in three ways. Number one, he's the way to the Father. He is the truth and he's the life. You notice love isn't in there? No. (laughs) He placed the premium on truth. He placed the premium on life. He placed the premium on the fact that he alone was the way to get to the Father. You don't need to love to get to the Father. You need to repent. It's not the gospel of salvation. It's the gospel of repentance. What he says and what he did are consistent with each other. He came here. Why? He came here to take away the sins of his people. Did he do that? He absolutely did that. Okay, well then praise the Lord. He came to save his people from their sin. He succeeded in that. Now it's up to us repent of that sin, and then go and sin no more. And then we have entrance into the kingdom. But it all begins with Christ, and Christ begins with repentance. Nothing has changed. His word is always the way. Now, man has changed that way. Man, in his carnal thinking, believes he knows better than God does. I don't know of anything more arrogant. They think that they can win you into the kingdom by loving you. Yeah, we're going to love you into the kingdom. Oh, fine, give me a scripture. No, you won't find one. You repent into the kingdom. You preach people into the kingdom of God. They think that they can win you into the kingdom by loving you. That is not biblical. They say you are to love people into the kingdom. I hear people give testimonies about that all the time. But you're not going to get in there without repenting. It's that simple. Let me read it again. Matthew four seventeen. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The beginning of Jesus' preaching was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We're going to show you at the end of this lesson, not only was the beginning of his preaching repent, the ending of his preaching is repent also. Newsflash, saints, you love people with the truth. You got that? You love people with the truth. Sloppy agape, wrapping your arms around them, commiserating with them, comforting them, all of that is fabulous, but it doesn't save people repenting the first step to salvation. People who rewrite the gospel are inspired by the devil. I'm sorry, I thought you said people who rewrite the gospel are inspired by the devil. Yes, I did. I'll say it again. 
If you are rewriting the gospel, you are following the leading of demons. There are angels of light who may have been Christians at one time even. That's the danger. They have been transformed. They were children of light. Now they're transformed into angels of light by Satan. But they have been transformed by Satan himself. Don't be fooled. They may look good. They may sound good. They may even be in your pulpit. But they are not speaking for God. They are doing the work of Satan. And that will take you straight to hell. Second Corinthians 11, verses 13, 14, and 15 in the New American Standard Bible. For such men are false apostles, mm, deceitful workers, mm, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it's not surprising if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. Refusing to talk about man's sin is demonic. Refusing to tell mankind he is a sinner is demonic. Refusing to preach Christ's message of repentance from sin is demonic and will lead you straight to hell. No, you don't think so? I came across the scripture yesterday. It's amazing. Luke thirteen three. I tell you, Jesus is talking. It's in red in my Bible. I'll tell you no, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Okay, do you get stuck there? Is there something that I need to explain to you about that scriptures? Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Look at that. You either repent or you perish. You get that? You know, salvation is not even mentioned there. You either repent or you perish. What do you do when you get a verse like that, right? It's in red, so we know that Jesus said it. Actually, it was so important, Jesus said it twice. He said it in Luke 13, 3, and he also said it in Luke 13, 5. He wanted to drive the point home, if you don't repent, you will perish. He chose to preach to us. Here, he tells us what will happen to us if we don't repent. He came preaching repentance. Will you believe Jesus, or will you believe your pastor? Is there any way to parse this verse where it doesn't sound so condemning? Uh, It doesn't sound so final. It doesn't sound so absolute. No, you can't change it. Except you repent, you shall perish. It's very simple. Do you wish to know how serious and simple this is? Let's look at the word perish. It's going to knock you down. The word perish is uh, A-P-O-L-L-U-M-I, apalumi. And it's from two Greek words, apo, meaning away from or wholly away from, and olethos, meaning a state of utter ruin, alumni, to destroy it. It also the root for the term used in Revelation. You've heard about Apollyon, remember him? And this word means to destroy. It means utter ruin. And don't forget Apollyon, what's he called? He's called the destroyer. Perish here means to destroy utterly. Okay, fine, we get that. But check this out. But it doesn't mean to annihilate you. That is not to cause one to cease to exist. There's the difference. Precept Austin makes a comment on that, just in case I didn't get that clear to you. Listen to this closely. Sadly, those who perish, if they don't repent, those who perish will wish that it had meant a cessation of their existence because their eternal torment will be so horrible. The picture of the verb apolomi is of a human life that is forever ruined and is no longer usable for its intended purposes. Wow. Is that, did you, let me read that again. The picture of the verb here, perish, is of a human life that is forever ruined and is no longer usable for its intended purposes. In other words, apolumi is not the loss of being, per se, but it is more the loss of well-being. 
It means that the person can no longer serve the purpose for which they were created, that purpose being to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. This is serious stuff. Except you repent, you shall perish. Preachers and pulpits who refuse to talk about sin, who refuse to call you to repentance, they are denying you the opportunity to avoid that eternal future. What eternal future? The one of perishing. Perishing, by the way, is not final. It's ongoing. You are continually in the state of perishing with no hope of ever stopping to be perishing. And it's a constant state. You you are continually dying. The Bible said, if any man be in Christ, behold, all things are new. He's a new creature, right? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I have eternal life. The word of God is alive. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. If you repent and you put yourself in a position to receive the salvation that Christ offers, great. If you don't, you are continually dying. You die every day. You die every second of every day. You never stop dying. That's not very pleasing, is it? But listen to the preacher that tells you that you don't have any sin. If you don't have any sin, then guess what? You don't need to repent. They don't say you don't have any sin. They just say you don't need to talk about sin. Well, do you think Oprah is going to tell them that they're sinners? Do you think Kimmel is going to say, oh, yeah, we're a bunch of sinners? Do you think Joe Biden? Do you think Nancy Pelosi? Do you think false teachers are going to tell you that you're a sinner? Don't forget, these people are all inspired by Satan, whether it's a lust for power, whether it's a a lust for money, whether it's self-idolatry. Anything that refuses to talk about the truth in the Bible is demonic. Jesus, you are either serving him intentionally or you are serving Satan by default. Let me say that again. You have either made a conscious decision to serve Jesus intentional or you are serving Satan by default. Anything Anything, anything that goes opposite of what the Word of God said is inspired by Satan. Man doesn't make this up in his own mind. No, this is inspired by Satan. You've got to understand that. Preachers in the pulpit who refuse to talk about sin, who refuse to call you to repentance, are, listen to this, are denying you the opportunity to avoid that eternal future of perishing. You need to understand this. This is some deep stuff. This is heavy, heavy stuff. If they are not preaching you Christ, Christ crucified, Christ risen, and they are not telling you that he died for your sin because you are a sinner and you need to repent, if they are not giving you that gospel message, they are leaving you in the potential place of having to spend eternity under this perishing, which is constant, which is daily. You don't get away from that. I don't understand that. And then they tell you that they love you. They love you? Really? No. Love speaks the truth. Hallelujah. Preachers and pulpits who refuse to talk about sin, who refuse to call you to repentance, are denying you the opportunity to avoid that eternal future. And doubly sad, millions, millions, tens of millions are following them and even supporting them with their money. And they are praising them. I was watching TV the other day. Don't get me started. What was the phrases? Oh, yes. A very, what's the word? Patriarch message. A, what was another phrase? Oh, man, Christianity has turned a corner in America because of this meeting. Come on, people. I'm just reading you the Bible. I'm not making anything up. Let me read it again, just in case you got stuck. Luke 13, 3. I tell you, no, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. You must decide for yourselves who or what you're going to believe. But I'll tell you this, those who stand in pulpits and preach anything other than what I'm telling you now of what's been written 
are in for a whole lot of hurt. I don't care who it is. We are talking about your eternal soul. Jesus said, preach repentance. I did. Now you go and you do it. If you don't, if people don't repent, they will die. This is the message of Jesus. Now, Jesus truly loved you, and he put his money where his mouth was, right? He went and he died for that sin. He didn't pretend that man wasn't a sinner. He, did, he didn't run from it. He told the Pharisees. He told the scribes. He told the Sadducees, man, you're sinners. Unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of John the Baptist, you're all going to die. And it's because of our sin. Sin. Sin and Jesus. They go together. Second Peter 3, 9. Check this out. I read it last week. It's important. Second Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. But the Lord is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Wow. What a coincidence. Perish and repentance. It's the two words in the same sentence again. It's amazing that God knew that and Jesus knew that. And now I've got it. It's written in the Bible. Not willing that any should perish. Well, I don't understand that. How do you not perish? Well, he finishes right there. But that all should come to repentance. Do you see that? He said it in Luke. He preached it again in Matthew. And now Peter's picked up on it. And he's saying, okay, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The opposite of perishing is coming to repentance. If you don't repent, you will perish. If you get anything out of this lesson today, I want you to walk away with that. Perishing can be avoided by repenting. Here, Peter is telling us that God is patient with us. Thank the Lord. Amen. I got saved at the age of uh, 30. 30? Yes, I got saved at the age of 30. And, wow, long time ago. (laughs) But thank God, at 29, his patience didn't wear out. Otherwise, I would be perishing today even. Peter is telling us that God is patient, that patience will lead us to repentance and we won't perish. He's waiting for us to get saved. He is saying God is patiently waiting for us to come to repentance. Why? Because he knows that the vehicle, the road for salvation is through Jesus and the message of repentance, the gospel of repentance. He repeats what Jesus says, that if we don't come to repentance, we will perish. How many of us does he wish to come to repentance? All. Everyone, anyone, he wants all men saved, probably, but he doesn't say that. He says he wants all men to come to repentance. He could have said, well, the long suffering of God, hallelujah, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to salvation. No, he said not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You can't skip that step. Many preachers try to skip that step because they think it's not loving you. These people are cowards. I won't call them pastors. They don't belong in your pulpit. They are counterfeits. They are imposters. They do not belong preaching the gospel. You got to understand that pulpit, that's a holy place, folks. That's holy ground. Hallelujah. God tells Moses, take your shoes off. We ought to stand in the pulpits with our shoes off. Maybe we'll get better revelation. We need to go back to preaching truth. Hallelujah. So don't assume you, you know what he means. Read the verse and let the Holy Spirit give you understanding. Hallelujah. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Perish and repentance are connected. Jesus and sin are connected. Put them all together. You have the gospel. You cannot get saved without repenting first. Preachers who change the gospel to leave that part out, they aren't winning the lost. They are false. We've spoken about in past weeks about what happens to nations that won't repent of national sin, whether it was Israel or Russia or America. 
any nation that refuses to repent, God sends judgment. And if they fail to repent in that judgment, he must send his wrath upon them, which will ultimately lead to their destruction. In the book of Revelation, when Jesus speaks to the same churches in Asia Minor, he details how the church should behave. He praises them for the things that they're doing well, and he corrects them and rebukes them for what they are failing at. He judges his people. Yes, God judges his people. Psalm 7, God judges the righteous. That's another false doctrine that's out there that God won't judge his church. My goodness. Remember, God judges to correct, not condemn. If we will judge ourselves, we won't have to be judged. But God's correction always begins by telling them how to get back on the right track. What is the way to get back on the right track? How does that happen? Yep, you guessed it. The way they get back on the right track into God's perfect will is repenting. Revelation chapter 2, verse 5. Remember, therefore, from whence you are fallen, and repent. The problem was the church at Ephesus, they had fallen. They've lost their first love. Okay, not the end of the world. Repent. Repent. Get back with me. Get back into, into fellowship with me. Repent of your sin. Otherwise, I'm going to remove the candlestick out of its place, except that repent. The candlestick represents the church. Otherwise, I'm going to move this church from where it is. I'm going to take this church from the place of safety. But I don't have to do that if you'll repent. Revelation 2.16, repent or else I will come unto thee quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. What did Jesus want them to repent from? He wanted them to repent. This is Pergamus. He wanted them to repent from their false doctrine, the deed of Nicolaitans. Revelation two twenty one and 23. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death. Kill her children with death. That's double death. You're dead double. I will kill her children with death. That probably means I'm going to destroy those who are following her false doctrine. I will kill her children with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he which searches the reins and the hearts. And I will give unto every one of you according to your works. I remember he did the same thing, the phrase there, all the churches will know. Great fear fell upon all the churches when God killed Ananias and Sapphira for lying to the Holy Spirit. Well, here God's going to kill Jezebel for preaching falsely, and he's going to kill them. And this is what happens. People know then that God is God. This is my church. I will have it holy. I will not put up with this in my church. And these are judgments by God upon his children. But once again, look at the language here. I will do this, except they repent of their deeds. If they repent, I won't do it. Revelation 3, 3. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. He's talking to Thyatira about false teachers. Revelation three nineteen. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Don't get scared, guys. He always gives you the opportunity to repent. If you think you're walking around saved and you haven't repented, you need to go back and repent. Just repent of your sin. Repent of not repenting even, if that's what necessary. But you need to go ahead and get clean before the Lord. Then he will come in and sup with you. The point is that five times in Jesus' letters to his church, he had to call them to repentance. What do we learn from this? What's the lesson in that? We learn then that not only is repentance the doorway, the requirement, enter into the kingdom of heaven to salvation, but it is also the foot in the door that keeps us saved. Did you follow that? Repentance, it leads you to the opportunity to get saved and enter into the kingdom of heaven, 
But once we get saved, it keeps us there. It's got our foot in the door where it won't shut. God gives that. Actually, it's Jesus who's got his foot in the door. Is us. We have to kick it out of the way. He doesn't want you going to hell. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I say this often. I'm going to say it again. One cannot earn their salvation through works, but one must work to keep their salvation. You cannot earn your salvation through works, but you must work to keep it. Well, let's add to that this. One cannot get saved without first repenting, and neither can one maintain that open, intimate relationship with God without continued daily repentance. Jesus preached it in Matthew. He commanded us to preach it in Luke. And here he confirms the necessity of it in Revelation. It's every bit important part of the gospel, a component as love or grace or truth or mercy. The gospel of Jesus Christ isn't just one of two attributes of all that, uh, the character of God. It's all of them. All of them. Don't neglect repentance. It keeps you in the kingdom of God. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.